murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories, brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. All right, we're going to talk about trees and the shutdown and board certification and murder-suicide. All of this in South Florida with a real estate attorney, William Kramer. William, say hi. Hello, everyone. And of course, before we get started, this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to promote your law firm or any other business is through your client stories. We can help you collect, craft, and deliver them. Also, get the new book at TestimonialsBook.com. I'll tell you exactly the exact process for using customer stories throughout your entire business. All right, let's get started. Nice to have you on. So before we get into these crazy cases, you're a board-certified real estate lawyer. Let's explain to people what that means and uh, a little bit more about what you do, because board certification is not a simple thing to get. Particularly in the state of Florida, which, which has a very strenuous certification process for, I, I believe it's 25 different areas of law. So in the state of Florida, there are about 100,000 lawyers. Not quite sure exactly how many lawyers specialize in real estate. We think somewhere around 10,000 or so of the 100,000. And of those 10,000, 500 are board certified. So what board certified means is you have to be practicing for it for it's a minimum of five years. You have to have had a certain number of relatively complicated transactions, and you have to devote at least 50% of your practice to the practice of real estate, and you have to pass a very rigorous exam. I've, I've been board certified for now, it's been almost, it's been about 25 years and I'm a little more familiar with the process because I was also on the, the Florida Bar's real estate board certification committee. So that's so there's a committee of, any, usually it's anywhere from 10 to 12 lawyers from around the state of Florida. And we're the ones that write the exam and review the applications, initially admit or accept the um, applicants based on the applications, their experience, ethics, some references from other lawyers. And then, when, and then when, if they get through that process, and then we're the ones that actually write the, write, administer the exam. And that's a, you typically serve two, three-year terms. At some point during that, if you seem to know what you're doing, you're either the vice chair or the chair. So I went through all of that. So at any rate, it's, it, it generally designates lawyers who specialize in real estate and have some degree or level of expertise. Real or imagined, it's, it generally means you do a lot of real estate and you hopefully know what you're doing. And it, so what does, what, what is, what are your typical types of cases, typical types of clients that you work with? Over the years, I've done all types of real estate, from simple residential leases and house and condominium closings to much more complicated commercial closings involving shopping centers and office buildings and apartment complexes. Lately, I've gravitated towards more commercial real estate. And so I have, and my, my clients are bank or lenders, because I have one non-bank type lender client. But lenders, so the ones who make the loans, and the one, I guess my sort of wheelhouse is anywhere from about a five, five million up to about a $30 million loan. And again, those are for various types of properties. They're real estate based, but they're you know, some shopping centers, again, office buildings and 
family housing and apartment complexes. Those seem to be the major ones I'm doing. And then I also represent several investors or developers who own or build those sorts of properties. And we buy and sell. They get they have to go through zoning, site plan, land use approvals, and getting the property ready for them. And, and just and going through the process of negotiating the contracts and navigating the closing. And it's it's challenging. It's not you tend to use most of the same forms and most of the same documents, but each deal has its own particular nuances, its own particular challenges. It's I tell my assistants, the lawyers I work with, my clients, my friends and family, most of the time it's like herding cats. It's just, it's like trying to get a lot of different people to do a lot of different things and all converge with a closing. And that's the way I live it. That's what we do. Yeah. It must be pretty intense when you talk about those massive commercial real estate projects. It is because there are most of the people you deal with want to see it, it be successful, but some don't. And then, then you have varying interests. So with, with the developers, as they, as developers come in and, and try to get approval for whatever the project is they're doing, there's usually some opposition for some reason. Maybe somebody doesn't want this particular, maybe they don't want multi-housing in this particular area, or sometimes then some, maybe there was an environmental issue years ago. There was a gas station or a dry cleaner or something there. So you have to try to overcome that and make sure that, that, that whatever the environmental issue that is, that it's actually cleaned up. We don't, in, in South Florida, you don't really have the types of oil spills or those types of problems that you might have in the Northeast or some other places. But years and years ago, we did have a, we, we had a big asbestos problem. So any of the properties that were built in whatever, I guess the sixties and seventies or so when they went asbestos was the main fire retardant material, all the buildings had them and you had to go through that whole process. That was, I forgot about that. That was actually, that was, that was quite a challenge. Um, yeah. Yeah. Asbestos abatement is not, <laughs> it's a big deal. I, I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Go ahead. So what I was going to say is that uh, a lot of people, as they, when they get into law school, you know, you're we're probably a little more idealistic in, in those days. And you certainly, of the things that you want to do with your career in terms of making money, having something you enjoy doing, helping people. I'm not sure which of those, the priority that those have, they, and they may change from the time start or finish law school to the time, to the time you were practicing for 40 years like me, but they're all still there. And, and still I get a tremendous amount of pleasure, satisfaction, if I feel like I've really helped somebody as opposed to just closed a deal that everybody expected to be closed or, and, and sometimes it's difficult, the negotiating process and doing that. And again, getting people together, trying to get people to do the right thing, or from my client standpoint, what, which is what they want to do is, can be challenging. And when it comes together, it can be very fulfilling. I, I have one particular client who her husband passed away several years ago, left her with basically three small commercial properties in, in not even in Florida, in, in the Boston area. And the challenge was to try to get these properties sold. And he passed away right before COVID did. We had these properties, they needed to be sold. 
we had COVID come, we, we had the whole shutdown with COVID and, and most of them involved, actually all of them involved tenants in place and the tenants had um, mostly retail type businesses. So they couldn't quite function and we had to deal with tenants not paying rent and working out deferment agreements, which was very big in the early COVID stages. And then trying to get the buildings sold and we somehow managed to get two of the buildings sold, which, which provided the client with some financial security. The third building, we went through just multiple buyers. There were issues, there were problems with it. And we finally just uh, closed on the third one. Again, it seems like just a couple of real estate closings, but it really did make this client, this widow, able to achieve some financial security and live out the rest of her life in relative comfort. Yeah. That's great. That is great. And did the right thing for everyone. That's fantastic. And you had an interesting start to your legal career, it seems, in your probate case that we talked about. Yeah, this was maybe a year or so into pra- in, in, into my practice. I was working for a large firm, a, a, a larger firm than, than, than I have now at the time. And I started out working with the probate department. And I thought, all right, that seems to be pretty routine. I was uh, doing a lot more tax work in those days. So that kind of dovetailed with having a little bit of a tax background. I'm also, I was a CPA. I worked as an accountant while I was going to law school. So I had that. And but all right, this is going to be doing estate tax returns and trust returns, maybe a little bit of income tax stuff and some of some estate planning and a couple of routine probate. How complicated can a probate be? Somebody dies, you marshal, you get their assets together, you make sure you pay all the bills and distribute it to the beneficiaries. This one, it was a weird case. It was some very well-off people up in the northern end of Palm Beach County in an exclusive area. The wife and the people then were, I believe in their mid sixties, which seemed very old to, to a 25 or 26 year old lawyer. Now it seems like <laughs> they're middle-aged people, but at any rate, she apparently they had three adult children that didn't live with them. She apparently was unhappy and decided to commit suicide. And the way she, she, she committed suicide was she went into the garage of her home sat in the car, turned the car on, and was going to commit suicide with carbon monoxide poisoning. I guess she didn't realize that the seal on the door between the garage and the house was not good, and the carbon monoxide got into the house and filtered into her husband's bedroom while he was sleeping and wound up killing him also. So you can imagine the mess and the three children, once once the bodies were found and they were alerted to it, and had to deal with all that and a lot of family issues. And there were a number of legal issues that just, I, I certainly hadn't encountered in law school and not many people in my firm had, was who inherits and interpret and that they had a strange will, which had some unusual clauses and particularly as to who can inherit when one kills the other. And so at any rate, it was just, a, it, it was very involving, very unusual for about six months of my life. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. That's talk about a trial by fire. Literally. Right. It's that's crazy. Yeah. yeah just, it seems like you had to learn a lot because there's obviously criminal aspects of this too. And all, all sorts of things that you had to come up to speed pretty fast. Didn't you? Sure. 
Sure, I did. I did. Just, yeah, every session we went into court to try to explain to the judge with certain assets distributed or dealing with, you know, with, with, with a creditor or with children who were disputing over who got what. And there was this credibility issue because and from the judge's standpoint, one of my clients committed suicide and <laughs> was murdered. It seems in retrospect, 40 years ago, it seems a little humorous at the time that was pretty traumatic for everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's 40 years. So it's, I think it's enough time to talk about it, but that, that's a crazy way to start your legal career. And obviously you're doing real estate, you worked in property and you were talking about a tree limb case as well. So this was, so one of the questions I, I was asked was come up with a, a funny story. So this goes back a couple of years ago. I had a, a very good client. We had just finished a huge transaction and he, and a month or two later, he calls me and says, Phil, I need you to do me a favor. I've got a neighbor and he's got a problem with his next door neighbor and we don't know what to do. And, you know, you're a good lawyer, so can you help him? All right. This is not a good way to start. So I speak with him. I said, all right, so what's the problem? So the problem was, is this guy lives in a, an area, I think it was out in Pembroke Pines. And it was an area with older homes, large lots, very leafy. The older properties, the landscape, everywhere has grown up. And he had a, on the boundary line between his home and his neighbor's home, his neighbor had this massive tree growing right in, right up against the property line. And it, it, it had, they, they had a common fence there that went up, I don't know, six, eight feet or so that seemed to divide the property. But this tree hung over and a substantial portion of the tree and it had grown up huge, maybe 20 feet high or higher, was hanging over the property line onto my client's property. My client had a pool with a screen enclosure and the tree was dropping whatever type, whatever kind of fruit or whatever it was it had on the on my client's screen enclosure and there was causing some damage and it was dirty and messy and dropping all kinds of things and they'd been arguing over it for years and finally my client said to the, he had his landscape guys out and he said, can you just cut, see what you can do to cut this back? So while they were cutting it back to basically the property line, so all they're doing is, is cutting the part of the tree hanging over it is my client's property. It, it, the tree was so old that by the time they finished cutting it back, it, it didn't do too well with the tree. It, it wound up killing the tree. Nothing seemed to happen, and the, the properties were big enough, and the neighbor's property was so dense with landscape that I don't even know that he noticed until about six months later. And this guy, who's he was a bit of a bully. He was a he was a he was an ex-cop. Not that I love cops and ex-cops, but this guy was they're not all great, and he was using his connections to to, to bully my client, kept threatening to sue him. And at the end of the day, I said, all right, let me write a letter and see what I can do to settle it. And by the way, you may want to pay him a little bit of money, even though you probably did the right thing, just because it's going to, just any kind of trial, it's just, it's going to cost so much. It's not really worth it. So we, we, we go through that process. We come back with an offer from the neighbors that, no, it's going to be, it's going to be, we're going to need about $10,000. And, and so I said, so I'm talking to his lawyer. So well, why would you need $10,000? It's, it's just a tree. But we have to replace the tree at the size that it was that when it was cut down. So it's a mature tree and those are very expensive. So I said, all right, well, I don't think that's going to happen. So then we determined, all right, so what, you know, 
how are we going to handle this in a way that's not going to cost my poor new client who just cut down a tree tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees and so let me give it to our newest, youngest associate at the time, see what he can figure out. And he does some, re- does some research and comes up with a case, obscure, I had never heard of it, that basically supported our position, which said, which I knew this was a law, I didn't know where it was or why it was a law, comes up with a case that says you can, you are entitled to basically cut down a tree, even if it starts on a neighbor on another property, to the extent that it hangs onto your property, as long as you try to use common sense and good judgment and how you do it. Winds up winning the case. We didn't spend much money on it. It was going to be in a small claims case. Everybody was happy. And of course, the young associate was off to his litigation career. That was his first case. And he was 1-0 and got a lot of, lot of good natured reading from everybody in the firm. Again, a nice story. Our, our clients happy, young lawyers happy. It came through with something that people that we didn't really we didn't really expect them to be able to accomplish, and it makes everybody feel good. That's great. That's really cool, and it's amazing. Yeah, there must be so much nuance in real estate law. <laughs> Finding cases like that left and right is not easy, is it? No, it, it's really not. You think, all right, people have enough, people have bigger problems in life than worrying about whose tree is hanging over whose property. But these are the kinds of things that, that we see a lot of these types of things where they're unique problems. They're not the biggest problems in the world, but to the individuals facing them, that's that dominates their life, drives them crazy. And they hope that when they need a lawyer to do that, that they they can find somebody that can help them. So we were fortunate in that case that we could. Yeah, that's great. It was great. You can help them. And with the exception of the tree, it turned out for the best for everyone. (laughs) Exactly. Somebody, hopefully somebody put a new tree in there. That's great. William, tell us a little bit more about how to get in touch with you. If if someone does need help with real estate, a commercial real estate transaction in Florida. My firm is, it's called Brinkley Morgan. My Email is william.kramer at brinkleymorgan.com. We have a pretty comprehensive website. Just search Google Brinkley Morgan. It gives gives my resume and the resumes of all the lawyers in um, our firm. We send out a monthly or maybe even more frequently a newsletter whenever somebody from the firm does something that we feel is somewhat noteworthy, whether, whether it's a nice case or Somebody gives a presentation at a either an academic activity, gives a speech at a conference or a seminar. We typically publish that, and that's that's so. We have again, we get a decent amount of business just from being available, just just from being recognizable. I think my name comes up when you just Google it: William Kramer, Fort Lauderdale real estate lawyer. It gives you, sends you to me. It tells you the things that I do. And we welcome new clients. Great, great. Well, we'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. But William, thank you so much for being on True Law Stories. I am very nice to meet you. Pleasure speaking with you. <laughs> a pleasure speaking with you too. And make sure if you have any issues with real estate and commercial real estate in Florida, definitely check William out. And probably you can give him a call too if you have some tree problems. <laughs> but thank you all for taking William and I on your journey. This has been Iron Garlic and True Law Stories. True Law Stories has been brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. 
you need video case stories for your business. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more.